0: Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley, and we talk to leadership thought leaders and draw out practical actions that you can apply to your leadership today. Well, my guest this week is John Rennie, and John comes to us with a fresh new book, All in the Same Boat. And also, I I was a guest on his podcast a few weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. So welcome, John. Hey, it's good to be here it's nice to talk to you again switch roles that uh, i normally start with just a 30 second intro into your history your story what what's your leadership story that got you where you are
1: Well, you know, I, um, as a young man, I was always fascinated with World War II. I had two grandfathers that served in World War II, and uh, one was in the Navy, one was in the Army. But I was always fascinated with the stories of World War II, especially the Navy stories, especially submarine stories. And I was fascinated with underwater warfare from, from a young child on. So that's what I decided I wanted to do with my career, is become a naval officer on a nuclear submarine. And with the Cold War kind of in full swing, as I was coming up, I went to college and got a mechanical engineering degree and went right into the Navy as a naval officer on the USS Tennessee. And uh, that's where I got my, you know, I've cut my teeth in leadership as a a young man uh, in the Navy. And I made uh, seven deployments on the USS Tennessee during that time, during the end of the Cold War. And it was just a great experience to learn leadership, to practice leadership. And I took that experience into the business world with me. And I worked 22 years in corporate America, and then I started my own company five years ago, my own manufacturing company. So yeah, I've been practicing leadership for a long time, uh, but it started off just you know being the, in the Navy and being on the boats.
0: Uh, and that's one of the reasons I got you on today is because um, I just purchased and you just released the book all in the same boat. You can see it over your shoulder. I was just admiring your poster uh, <laughs> com- compared to my wedged book back here. <clears throat> But uh, lead your organization like a nuclear submariner. Yes. So g- give me a quick overview as to what's the link between running a nuclear submarine and, and being a leader in any other kind of business.
1: So you'd be, you'd be surprised. You know, it's funny, as I got older and uh, having, you know, being, you know, led people for more than 30 years, I realized that a lot of the things that I practiced in business were, were as a result of things that I learned in the Navy. And the one thing about the Navy, especially on submarines, that's very interesting is You go out to sea with 155 men in this case. There was no women on the submarines. They lock the door and you're gone for over three months at a time. So you have to learn how to get along with others. You have uh, a very difficult mission to, to accomplish. You are surrounded by danger on all sides, right? You're surrounded by water. And in the early days, we were surrounded by, you know, Soviets that were trying to find us. And we had to work together to accomplish the mission and to get home safely. And one sailor, if one sailor made the smallest mistake we would all perish. I mean, so there was a shared responsibility, but there's also a shared uh, vulnerability. And I thought that was really unique. And when I went into the business, that's the way I always approach businesses. We're in it together. We have to operate together if we're going to be successful. And I think that's rather unique in terms of a lot of the different business leaders that uh, I worked with and worked around. A lot of people were just in it for themselves or they were, you know, they were just in it for their bonus check or for the next promotion where I was always leading for... You know, it was always the mission and the people. You know, trying to do the same thing, and that was where I learned it was in the days uh, in the navy.
0: It really drills home the the idea of you're only as strong as your weakest link.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and you know, in, and in the book, I tell some stories about how even the most junior sailors uh, stood up and and and, and executed at a hundred percent, and and really were there and they were they had our backs, right? Everyone had our backs, including the most junior sailor. And we tested, we pressure tested everyone, every individual on that boat so that they we knew they could deliver when things got rough and when bad times came. So we were constantly pressure testing the crew so that we were always ready for
0: anything that could happen. And pressure testing has multiple meanings at the kind of depths you're at, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yes. So you cover some concepts and I wanted to pull out a few that have, have tweaked my imagination as I've been reading through the book, Uh, you talk about letting people fail. And uh, that's not as easy as it sounds. No,
1: absolutely. But you know, it's funny, because failure is a very, um, it's an emotional response when you do fail. uh, And especially if you're, you're embarrassed because of that failure, right, you, you are going to take home the lessons of why you failed, you're going to dig into what, you know, what, 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 uh, what went wrong? And how do I fix it? How do I get better? And I tell the story in the book, where I was teaching a young uh, officer who was coming up, I was teaching him how to go to periscope depth, and it's a very difficult process, and we're doing it in a casualty situation with no hydraulics, and he had to spin the periscope, and he was a smaller guy, and he was struggling with it, and I was trying to help him. And the captain got mad at me, and he said, let him fail. You know, let him do it, let him fail. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I'm responsible for the boat right now and I'm responsible for teaching this guy. I don't want the, you know, the ship to be damaged. I don't want to be, but, but the captain was teaching me a lesson. It's important to let people fail in a controlled manner. The captain knew we were safe. He wasn't worried about the, the boat. He just wanted, he was worried about that officer having that lesson. What did you do wrong? How did you make that mistake? How can you get better? And, the, and the captain was always doing that to us, giving us assignments that were much more beyond what our skill sets were and it it forced us to learn it forced us to you know you know have that those difficult lessons when you when you when you fail and when you when you fall short so i think those are really powerful lessons
0: and it's kind of let people learn isn't it uh, that you're talking about It's, it's the failure is just the the starting point of a learning experience it really is
1: it really is because you know i in this that story i told um you know, this this officer failed, but I also failed because I didn't let I I wasn't training that that officer properly. And I learned a lesson there, too. And those things, uh, when you learn those lessons, they're powerful and they stay with you versus if someone's always covering for you or, yeah. you know, it, 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 in business, we always take our most experienced people and we give them the most difficult tasks because we always want it to be 100 percent perfect. Right. But I think so. a lot of times we got to give our young people the difficult tasks and give those, them the opportunity to stretch themselves and see what they're made of. And I think as leaders, when we have young people doing difficult things, we can learn a lot from observing them. It gives them the opportunity to shine or maybe they fall short, you know, but it's, it's really important to give them those opportunities.
0: And I, I like your captain's take on it as well, that if any body or anything was at, at risk of fatality, I'm sure he would have been willing to step in. 100%. 100%. He was saying, he was yeah. saying nobody's going to die. So yeah. let the guy get on with it and let him struggle with the periscope and let him fight it and everything else. Because when it comes to it, this is going to be a great learning experience. And there's really no other cost than.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. it's almost like controlled failure, you know, letting people fail, fail in a controlled manner. And I like to do that. I've always done that in my business career, too. Giving people stretch assignments, difficult assignments, assignments that are well outside there. Their, what they feel confident in doing outside their comfort zone, and letting them learn, and letting them fail, and letting them struggle, and and those those moments are are really important for individual development.
0: Yeah, I've heard people say that when there's been a problem in a major organization or something, and the boss comes in and says, "Look, did anybody die? Did anybody get hurt?" Right. The answer is, the answer is no. Then it immediately turns to, "Okay, so what did we learn?" So what did we learn? <laughs> I, love, yeah. that. I yeah. love
1: that. I love that. This is great. What did we learn? That's just a yeah. great, a great. Um, opportunity to get that feedback and let people
0: internalize
1: what just happened.
0: You talk about non-negotiable goals, and this, again, seems like it's easier in a military environment to say this is just a non-negotiable. How does that translate into the business world?
1: Well, you know, I took the the story from, uh, you know, it's it's funny. There's an expression on the submarine force that the number of surfaces has to equal the number of dives, right? So, we have to get to the surface. There is no... um, there is no other option, right? So in the early days of submarining, they would create all sorts of rescue systems to try to rescue submariners. But what they realized is the depths that we operated in, you're never going to rescue those sailors. So so they changed the mindset. The Navy changed the mindset. So they said, you know what? We're not going to develop rescue systems. We're going to develop all the systems and processes and the training inside the submarine so that they always can get to the surface no matter what happens, right?" right? So they changed the mindset to... The non-negotiable goal was to reach the surface, right? And what's funny about non-negotiable goals is we don't measure them, right? So the number of number of surfaces we had always equal the number of dives the whole time I was in. And for most sailors in the past 50 years, that's been the
0: case, right? Yeah, the day <laughs> doesn't, but, you're not counting it anyway.
1: We're not counting it. So, you know, the, the, the lesson really, really came to, to, I came to realize this when I was in the business world, I traveled out to South Korea, I was benchmarking, our, in this case, I was working for a global company, our best plant was in South Korea, I went there with uh, two of my workers from the plant in Pennsylvania, we went all the way over there to see, you know, to benchmark their processes compared to ours, we were looking at all their metrics and their measurements and how they were doing lean manufacturing, all this wonderful stuff. But when we cut, got to one measure, it was really interesting because it really sent, sent it home to me, is that I asked them, how do you measure, what what are your measurements for on-time delivery? And we had a translator there <laughs> and we were trying to explain it and they, they didn't understand the question. I said, well, how do you measure your on-time delivery? You know, and I explained how we do it in the States, you know, it's number, it's what we promise versus what we actually deliver. And, you know, right now we're at about 82%. So what, what's your number? And it took a while. And then finally, the the, the uh, manager that we were trying to talk to said to me or said to the translator that I, I don't understand. Why would you measure this number when you you should always deliver to your promised date to a customer? Right. It was a non-negotiable goal for that business. They didn't even think about measuring. It. And, and it got to me to think about there's certain things in business that we have to say, we're going to do this no matter what. Mm-hmm. So we're going to it. And so we're going to so we're establishing not just the goal, but everything around it, the mindset, the processes, the system, so that we always deliver on whatever that goal is, whatever that non-negotiable goal is. For example, several businesses I've run, we say all of all requests for quotes are responded to uh, every day. So no one goes home until all of them responded to. So even that, even if we have 100 RFQs coming in a day, then we stay late to make sure it happens because that's a non-negotiable goal. We don't even measure that because it's a non-negotiable, we just do it every time. So it's an interesting mindset and you can't do it for every one of your metrics, but you you can start thinking about, are there certain things that are non-negotiable in your business?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great concept to apply to that, to say this one uh, is so important that our only metric is binary.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Did we fail or did we?
0: yeah. Yeah. And like, if we don't surface, that's a fairly binary metric. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We don't yeah. measure it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I love that. So uh, you also talk about uh, getting the best out of all the people on your team, even the challenging ones. And yeah. I, am, I imagine on a submarine, the challenging ones are, are amplified. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: but you couldn't, you couldn't get away from it. So, you know, leadership on a submarine is a 24 seven business. There's no getting, there's no going home after a tough day and, you know, kicking your feet up and watching TV and relax and thinking about it or getting a beer. There's no beer. Uh, you're in it 24 seven. You're in the wrong Navy. I know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but um you know, and so you were surrounded by people that were really good and some that were, were challenging. Right. And, um, you know, I tell the story. I had a, a petty officer and you know, petty officer uh, McKinley, and he was always an interesting guy because whenever he was bored, he would he would get into trouble. He would find ways to get himself into trouble. And, um you know, I tell the funny story, I was doing an inspection of the engine room before I was getting ready to take the watch. And I heard what sounded like somebody running on a treadmill. And of course, there's no treadmills in the engine room. So it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And by the time I got all the way aft into the uh, the aft end of the engine room where the propeller shaft exited, exits the pressure hall, right? Petty Officer McKinney was holding on to two uh, light fixtures and he was running on the shaft. And we were submerged in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. I mean, it's a very dangerous thing he was doing. And, you know, when I asked him why he did it, he said, he said, Oh, I don't know. I didn't know if I could do it. So I was trying to see if I could do it. (laughs) And just that was, he was a curiosity. He had a lot of curiosity, but the thing is he was very brilliant and he would, but when he got bored, he would do strange things. So what I found is that I had to, I had to challenge him. So I, you know, he ended up being one of the best reactor operators on, on the ship so I put him in charge of training all the new reactor operators. I also he was always always really good at troubleshooting, so I put him on all the toughest maintenance projects and I got his mind thinking and I got him engaged and it turns out he he turned out to be one of the greatest sailors that we had on the boat, but he was a challenging person. But the thing is like, you know, in when you talk about in a business, right? If you have a bad employee, you can fire them, you can demote them, you can transfer them. You know, there's always ways you can get out of dealing with a challenging employee. Well, on the, on the boat we couldn't get away from them. We couldn't, we couldn't change out people. These were the people that we were operating with for the next, you know, three and a half months. And so I think I've learned through that lesson is to be able to get around, get along with the team that you have around you. You know, right. the, the quirks, the, the 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 goods and the bads, right? And and you know, I, I talk in my first book about that leadership is a people business. It's about getting to know your team, getting to know their capabilities, what makes them tick. And, and, and optimizing that for whatever the mission is that you have to get done. And that's what we had to do on the boat. And I do that in business as well.
0: So because you couldn't just open the door and say, off you go, you're done here. Uh, <laughs> right, you're forced right. to say, let's look and see how we can keep him busy. Let's look and see where we can make use of him. Let, yeah, let's look and yeah. see where he can um, be a, a value to the ship. And that's translated to, uh, I imagine the way you work with people. That, you know, there's Some people I work with who can be very quick to, to say okay let them go let's get another one in
1: as right, opposed to right. saying
0: uh something we do all the time say what's working let's ask that yeah, question first I love that before yeah. we get to the you know and I if you ask it the right way you never have to ask the what's not working question right. because it focuses yeah. you in on the on the what's working and
1: absolutely yeah and you know in every every person is different and you have to find you know, where they're, you know, where's, where's their passion? What are they really good at? And what do they get excited about? And, and if you can align their personal passions with what the needs of the business, then you have some really you have magic happens that way. And I think we're able to do that with this one particular sailor. And I try to do that as best I can, you know, you can't always do it that way. You know, some people are get stuck doing jobs they don't like. And and so, well, I try to make that as temporary as possible, but as much, you know, as much as you can motivate people or, or align people to their personal goals, matching the business goals, then I think you it, it's a lot easier to manage people when you do that.
0: And your guy there reminds me of a, a lot of former US Marines that I've worked with. And I, I I make the semi-joke about US Marines is that there's nobody better to have alongside you if they have a mission. Yes. There's nobody worse to have alongside you if they don't have a mission. <laughs> And yes, and so when you see that's them in manufacturing true. environments, you say just give them a mission and yes. keep them on missions all the time, and yes. they'll be great. The moment you don't give them a mission, they'll destroy whatever it is that's in front of them.
1: <laughs> so true. My uh, head of production in my company is a former Marine, so we have we joke about it a lot. Same, <laughs> so same, probably, probably relate again. to that then. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, I've always said you drop them in a port and give them liberty to go forth and do whatever it is they want. Yeah. they'll they'll be back with the the was it the navy patrol shore patrol before you know right that. <laughs> shore patrol exactly yeah yeah so, so um now you you've been 20 odd years in the business world and you talked earlier about the idea of pressure testing how do you pressure test your folks in a in a manufacturing environment
1: yeah so it's it's this it's a very similar thing um uh that, you know we I talked about in the book that my, our captain would would constantly be testing us and evaluating. So just making sure that we were ready for anything that came. Right. So he was. And so I think um, with respect to how I do it in in business and how I do it with my own business today, it, it's, it's really, um, you know, continuing to, to, to operate the business at a very high level. So a lot of, a lot of what we do um, is we have a lot of, um, High level of accountability when it comes to operating the plant, and I give you the example. So in the morning, even I do it, do it in my business today. I've been doing it with, in manufacturing businesses for a long time. Is we'll have a stand up morning meeting with here's what we're going to do today, right? Yeah. And we give everybody the opportunity to say, um, you know, to, to to give any feedback. Like one of the parts coming in, when's when's this. Uh, uh, One's this customer uh, going to customer order going to ship one of the trucks coming, everything's integrated. But what's great about this meeting is we talk about what we talk, what we said we were going to do yesterday. So we always say like, okay, we said we were going to get this job done, did this job get done. So there's a high level of accountability and, uh, and we're working together. And, and, and I think when people come to that meeting, they know that they got to come to their, that meeting with answers. They have to come to that meeting with, um, with credible responses because the rest of the team is holding them accountable to getting it done. So you don't want to come to the meeting unprepared. You don't want to come to the meeting kind of missing out on what you committed to or your promise to. So I think in a way it's a it's a bit of a peer pressure environment that we do in the manufacturing world that everybody feels that the you know feels responsibility to the mission they don't want to let anybody else down so i think that's something that we've been doing you know we don't do fire drills and we don't you know like i talk about in the book where you know we we all run to one part of the ship and we put out a fire you know a simulated fire we don't do things like that but it's the idea of there is a shared accountability to the mission and you don't want to let your your Shipmates down. In this case, your teammates down. So, and that's that's a big part of what we do in in our business. And you know, it's funny. Um, I see so many so many uh, people. They say, "Well, I don't like meetings. We shouldn't have meetings." Well, I don't think that meetings are bad. I think it's it's having a meeting that for just for the meeting's sake what you know only like we we don't have a lot of sit-down meetings in in my business but we those morning meetings where we ever you get to look everybody in the eye you know you can sense where they're at you know you talk about yesterday you talk about today you know and I think there's it's a real connection that happens and I think that's that's if if you're not doing that you know that one thing is a really important part of uh, uh, how we lead the business in in my company
0: and I love the way you've taken this, uh, this idea of we're all locked into this metal tube in the, <laughs> uh, under the Atlantic Ocean and we have to do this and we have to operate this way. And you're applying the same things to a business environment where people do get to go home at night,
1: but right. they still right.
0: have each other's backs and they still have accountability to each other. And, and they're still making sure that they're, they're looking for opportunities within each other at the same time because you're building that culture in your organization.
1: Absolutely, you know, they, they, it's funny because they don't want to—they don't want to let their their teammates down. It's not so much me; it's not the boss; it's the teammates. Like I don't want to let the team down, and and that's a beautiful thing that, that happens. And yeah. you know, in a way, I could not be at that meeting, and it would just be—it would be just as effective, you know. So I think that's really important.
0: But that that takes some discipline to start off with, which I imagine you had to instill uh, when you first started the business. It, it didn't happen that way
1: no you're right and you know so there's a natural tendency and and i talk about it in the book too um there's a natural tendency so people think you're crazy in the beginning right once you start doing something like this we're going to have a stand-up morning meeting every morning we're gonna talk about this and they're like every morning you're like yeah every morning Another and meeting. Then, yeah right every morning and, and it's gonna be a stand-up meeting you mean stand up like no chairs yeah, yeah. and so so people, you know, think you're crazy and then they're going to, and, and the default is, is like, well, let's just not do it today or let's not just do it this week. And, and so part of, part of you know, implementing these, these things and making them effective is just to stick to it. And, and, and even when it's not comfortable to do it or when you mm-hmm. feel like, and when you're getting pressure from your own team saying, oh, we shouldn't do this. It's a waste of time. When you know in your heart that it's the right thing to do, you've got to stay to it. You know, I talk about, and uh, I think I told you, uh, or I, I don't know if you remember the scene in the book. I talked about the missing binoculars, right? The captain captain was frustrated because we lost a pair of binoculars and he tore the ship apart, put us at battle stations until we could find this pair of binoculars. And everyone thought he was crazy. Like this guy's lost his mind. It's just a pair of binoculars. We got six or seven other pairs. It's no big deal. But he was concerned that, you know, a binoculars left in the superstructure once we submerge, would rattle around and we create transients and give away our position our mission would have failed if we didn't find those binoculars and he knew that and even though everyone thought he was crazy he he knew exactly it was the right thing to do and so he stayed with it and i think that's part of what we have to do sometimes as leaders is that sometimes people look at us and say you're 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 crazy <laughs> so you've got to just stick with it until you, you until it becomes oh i understand why why he's doing it that way. I, you know, like yeah. I understood why the captain, you know, did that, why he had to find the binoculars eventually. Right. And and my team understands why we do these morning meetings now. But in the beginning it's a little bit like, oh come on, do we really have to meet every day? I'm like, yes, that's a morning meeting. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> and uh I'm sure there's an interim place there as well that says I don't really get why, but you better put those back where you got them from because if not we'll be on battle stations for 24 hours while the captain finds them. <laughs> Uh, yes. And so he, it's kind of fake it till you make it. I've created the discipline and then people will, the why will filter to the organization as they understand that. And yeah, the, the that's it. Is so,
1: so sometimes you, you're you the only one who knows why, right? <laughs> and, and and sometimes you can explain why, but it really takes uh, time for people to say, oh, I understand why he's doing it this way. So sometimes you you can explain it and it doesn't even make sense. So you yeah. just have to do it to where they understand and they see the value in it.
0: I found that in in manufacturing environments with turnaround folks that the first thing they want to do is to have an offsite with all the leadership and the leaderships are saying, if we're trying to fix this, what are we doing out of the plant? If we're trying to fix this, we've got to get back in the plant and fix it. And you have to calm them down and say, look, we'll get back in the plant, but let's stop that for a minute because you haven't been fixing it in the plant.
1: Right, Right. So we
0: need to do something different. We need to get out of there. We need to think and we need to do the right stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I tell the story in the book where we took the entire, uh, my first manufacturing plant, I took every employee uh, from senior to all the way to, to the junior employees into an offsite. So we did five different sessions. We did, you know, ropes courses. We did lean manufacturing training and everyone thought I was crazy. Like, why are, why is why is Rennie doing this? <laughs> so, but it really helped build those bonds that we needed that we didn't have we, there was a, there was a big us and them problem in that plant with the salary people and the hour people we were operating in two different you know locations physically like we never worked together you know that's one difference on a submarine the officers and enlisted so the managers and the workers if you will work together in small spaces we're in you know we're 6 hour watches right next to people working that you work for right so you have that shared connection you knew everything about them, you knew their, you know, about their parents, you knew their girlfriend, you knew, you knew all these stories, right. But when I got to the, you know, when I got to manufacturing, I see like the office people are over here, they have their own, you know, uh, they have their own break area, they've got their own bathroom over here, The, the, the hourly people are over here, and we rarely ever get together, and we never work together. So we don't understand each other you know, and we're, we're separated physically and emotionally. And I think that's a problem. And so, and that particular plant, I was trying to bring everybody together and uh, yeah, I mean, people thought I was crazy. So it turns (laughs) out we, we, it was a great thing for that plant. And uh, yeah. So.
0: Well, when you're trying to make change, people are going to think you're crazy somewhere along the line. So uh, perhaps that's not such a bad thing. So where can folks pick up a copy of all in the same boat?
1: Yeah, so it's uh dot com, Uh or you can go to johnsrenny.com. as my that's my website. Uh but it's also on Amazon. So you just look into all in the same boat and you'll find it on Amazon and it's super easy. And uh but dot com.
0: And you have a you have a, a first book that obviously came before it. Do you want to give that a quick uh
1: yeah, so it's uh, I have the watch is the first book, and uh that that's com. It's also on Amazon as well. So
0: John, thanks for joining us and chatting today. I appreciate it, David. I enjoyed it. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. And my name is David Wheatley. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available at all good bookstores and Amazon as well. And uh, if you are interested in what great teams do great and how that plays into the virtual world, you send me a note, David at humanity.com, and I will send you our 10th chapter of our eight-chapter book which is all about virtual teams and how virtual teams can be great too. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. Stay healthy.